A guy called John Phelan was the originator and he called it originally the Silicon Stroll. And literally we were saying as the emerging Silicon Docks was being developed in Dublin, some of the big names were coming to town. And what we wanted to do was bring our entrepreneurs to meet with some of these foreign direct investment companies. The genesis for the idea is based in this truth. You have large companies on the one side and on the other side, you have startups and scale-ups technology providers, but they don't know how to talk each other's language. What Further Festival does is accelerate the dating game. My name is Connor Carmody. I'm the Programme Manager with the Further Festival coming to Dublin soon. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Connor Carmody is helping to create Dublin's startup ecosystem, connecting innovation, sustainability, and technology. All this and more on Code Story. Connor Carmody lives just outside of Dublin with his wife, and they have three lads, a.k.a. boys. Professionally, he worked in Eastern Europe around the time of the Berlin Wall. He learned a ton about setting up businesses in a society that was rebuilding itself. Today, he does a lot of advising and consulting around establishing and growing business. Outside of his current venture, he likes to garden and claims he is the guy that counts down the minutes until he can cut the grass again. Connor joined his current organization to help build the Ireland entrepreneur and startup culture. With the arrival of big tech companies helping to accelerate that, his group is ensuring that entrepreneurs are being strategic in forming their businesses, meeting the right people, raising money, and building community. This is the creation story of Further and the Further Festival. The organization that I'm with is called Further. Previously, it was called Dublin Bic. It's based in Dublin, Ireland, and we are an organization that supports entrepreneurs. The genesis of the organization was that, you know, thinking back over the last number of years, Ireland, a small village on the edge of Western Europe and struggling to build an entrepreneurship culture. And in tandem, I guess, with us starting to develop the organization, we did and do see an influx of the big U.S. multinationals, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Salesforce coming to Ireland. And that has kind of developed a small silicon docks here in Dublin. And I guess the arrival of those, plus a lot of work that folks and other folks like us are doing, has created a burgeoning or thriving uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Ireland. And our role specifically is to work with entrepreneurs and help them to think about what it is they want to do, what sort of businesses they want to grow, put them in front of funders. We uh, in further run, a, we have our own small VC fund, probably about a 30 million plus fund. We manage the Angel Network here in Ireland. For most of them that we're working with, the objective is to get off the island. That's kind of one of the themes of Further Festival is get off the island and we'll be exploring that. I'll tell you a little bit about that. But in essence, their job and our job is to kind of get them ready, get them to the seed stage, develop an early seed round, and then hope that they can expand and move beyond that. And we don't charge entrepreneurs for it. And people often say to us, well, how does that model work? So we do a lot of work like Further Festival and other initiatives where we're raising commercial funds. Plus, we get very good support from uh, some of the government agencies, such as Enterprise Ireland here. And we funnel that money in to provide a service where we don't charge the entrepreneurs. And the reason we do that is we believe 
at that early stage, they need to hold on to their equity. They shouldn't be giving that away and diluting the cap table. And they most certainly shouldn't be spending their resources on advisors and supporters. We work with about 150 companies a year, of which 25 probably get funded. The only thing we ask for uh, those people that we work with is pay it back. So when I ring you up in a couple of years' time and say, hey, Noah, remember me from three years ago, we did some work. I want you to come back and speak in an event, or I want you to meet an entrepreneur and share your story, or I want you to come and have a coffee with somebody. And in that way, we're building this kind of a virtuous circle where people that we've worked with, we've given of our time, they then in turn will give of their time. And you build this wonderful community who are looking to support each other. And the old phrase, it takes a village, certainly applies here because we believe that you know, for the entrepreneur to build something by themselves is very, very difficult. And you need lots of supporters around people who will help you and push you and prod you on the journey. So that's what we do. We support entrepreneurs. We help them get funded. We put them together in an ecosystem. And hopefully then they can grow and thrive and, and build scalable organizations. Further Festival takes place October 21 in Dublin, Ireland. And go to further.ie, F-U-R-T-H-R dot I-E, further.ie for the agenda and for the full details. And I am Connor Carmody on LinkedIn. Come and find me there and I'm happy to have a conversation. Tell me about the MVP for the for the Further Festival. And you kind of gave me a little bit of backstory there, but but give me the first version of what you're trying to build here. How you know, how long did it take you to come up with it, to build it? And, you know, what sort of interesting tools did you use to bring it to life? My predecessors, a guy called John Phelan, was the originator. And he called it originally the Silicon Stroll. And literally, we were saying, as the emerging Silicon Ducks was being developed in Dublin, some of the big names were coming to town. And what we wanted to do was bring our entrepreneurs to meet with some of these foreign direct investment companies. The reason for it, or the genesis for the or for the idea, is based in this truth. You have large companies on the one side, whether they be MNCs or whether they be the big global organizations. And on the other side, you have startups and scale-ups, uh, technology providers. And both parties want to talk to each other, but they don't know how to talk each other's language. And it's kind of an interesting. And one might argue that what Further Festival does is accelerate the dating game. And that was our kind of initial concept. And we've continued to evolve that. We run another program called the Innovation Exchange, which takes that to the next level on a very structured, curated fashion about putting corporates and, and startups and scale-ups together. And that still holds true today. So our original market hypothesis, if you will, was that both of those parties wanted to talk with each other but didn't know how and couldn't speak each other's language. And we felt if we could find a forum to put them together, we could build that collaboration. It evolved into Futurescope, uh, which was its name, and now it has evolved to Further Festival. And I guess what we've built over the years is a one-day in-person event all about collaboration between large and small. And we, on the other side of the axis, we bring in government and academia to kind of map out all of the quadrants. We didn't run it during lockdown because we felt that while hybrid has a value and it works in certain formats and for certain events. Uh, you and me are quite happily chatting here today uh, across a, 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 an online platform. Our event 
and the atmosphere that we've tried to build and develop really comes from uh, people being together in person. So are back after a two-year hiatus and we're delighted to be back. Um, and I guess what we do is we think about the big technology themes of the future and we try to get people to talk about them and whether that's AI quantum computing, blockchain, photonics, lots of these phrases that I don't even fully understand, but there's really smart people who come and talk about these things and they come at it from the angle of what is the opportunity. So this is a business program and the idea is for them to say, if I believe that AI is, or I believe that quantum computing is going to go mainstream in the next five to seven years, what do I have to do to capitalize on that opportunity? And that's the lens through which we look at it. So we bring 100 plus people speakers we bring 1600 people into the into various rooms and halls and we get them to share ideas with each other it's a in terms of the technology that underpins it it's an old-fashioned meet and greet but actually it works remarkably well we obviously do use the apps to get people together and we use the planning tools and we use all of that but at its heart we're bringing people together and we're kind of saying to them are you a funder are you an entrepreneur what is it you want out of this show we'll put you in front of the right people Staying with the the early version of further, when you're building anything, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs. And you talked about like how to build the forum and some of the things you use to bring people together. Tell me about some of those early decisions and trade-offs you had to make and how you coped with those decisions. The first one, actually, as it relates to entrepreneurship, do we want to commit to a one-day program? And as it moved from Silicon Stroll with us visiting, we then went down to our convention center here in Dublin, fine big building, purpose-built convention center. Takes a lot to fill that. And for a small little organization like we are, and we don't want to be, you know, a 5,000 or a 10,000 person event. We were comfortable at the stage that it's at the 1,500 to 2,000 people. But the first big decision was, is there a market and how might you test that? And Silicon Stroll was how we tested that. And, you know, we got a huge sense from both corporates, FDI and starting scale-ups that they wanted to do it. So we had to commit the resources. And it's no different than any startup. You've reached a point, you've developed a hypothesis, and you're now saying to yourself, we're going to go for this. Uh, So for us, going for it was was booking the convention center, was saying to ourselves, we're going to commit to a day in the diary, and we're going to throw our resources out to fill it up. The other big area to consider is the content. You know, what is the point of difference for our festival? There are lots of festivals and there are lots of events and they're all on all of the time. And what makes ours different? So thinking about defensibility, if you will, or thinking about a point of differentiation. And our point of differentiation is we are very well connected across a number of different verticals. And our ability to bring those together is and was our point of difference. It is not a hustle, 5,000 in and out, uh, I want to get to 50 meetings. It is relaxed, like you and I are having this chat here. I know if I go to this event on the day, I'll get lots of chats, I will meet with people, I'll get some really good content. For us, the second point was, what's our point of difference? And it is in that informal, but very carefully structured methodology that we use to bring people together. I want to know how you got to that well-advanced spot. Tell me about you know, how you progressed this, how you matured it, and, and in a little more detail. When you're building a product, right, you gotta, you got to build a roadmap. And I'm sure it's no different with Further. So tell me about how you went about building that roadmap and deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing for Further. I'd like to say 
as most startups would like to say, that there was a very clearly defined three to four year roadmap about how we'll build and grow. Um, but we also know the old expression about plans and uh, what's the Mike Tyson one? Planning is what you do uh, until your, your opponent punches you right in the nose. So each year we have to start again from scratch. So it's a one day event. It takes place in October. It's on again actually earlier next year because our rhythm got disrupted. We'll be back again in the end of May next year. So we have to start each year taking the learnings from the previous iteration and then trying to rebuild again. So I guess it's like a, a product release cycle. We do it annually. Each year as we've finished the event, we've reflected on kind of what worked, what didn't. Uh, we've gone out, we've, we've got the feedback, we've taken our customer reviews and we've tried to evolve the product. And I think evolving the product for us, it's all about the content. So it's all about the evolution of the content and the speakers. It has now become more attractive. So we need kind of partners to come and help us build it. We need partners to help us speak at the event. And I guess I started the planning for this year's one, I guess, back in April, May timeframe. And I'm finding that the openness of folks to come and talk at the event is I won't say easier, but it, they are much more accepting of it because like any product, it gets known in the market. The quality of the product gets reflected and remarked upon. And then that makes it easier for you to refer other people on uh, is, is kind of one way that we grow the product. The other way we've done is by simple word of mouth. And by that, I mean, I go back to somebody who spoke last year and I asked them, what do they think about this year? They might not want to come back and we may not want them back, but they'll certainly refer me to 10 other people who they say, you really need to talk to this person. She's brilliant. He's brilliant. In that informal way of using your network, uh, which again, for anyone who's starting and scaling a business, your network is always the first place that you go to, whether raise funds or, you know, get your sales traction or whatever you're going to do, going back to your network, it actually works. So when I started this iteration of the, the product, it was around who's been here before, who might they refer me to, and then how best can I convince them to come on. The agenda that we have is shaped by what our audience tells us. I go to a conversation with somebody and I might go with a topic in mind like sustainable cities. And in conversation with three or four experts in that field, they'll say, no, you should probably take an angle of more a smarter sustainable city. So put the smarter in because that's what will drive sustainable cities. And in conversation with everyone that I talk with, each person helps me shape the product roadmap as I move it forward. We are taking what the market says. We are taking the good and the bad from the reviews. And we use that then each year to iterate the next version of the product. Let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people that would indicate that they're the winning horses to join you? The model that we have within the further organization is there are a core full-time team. And then there's lots of folks who are maybe consulting or part-time or involved. But the one thing that underpins it is culture. And again, if I reflect back on any startup and you've done them and I've done them over the years, it's, it's about getting the right folks on the bus with you. You also have to consider that people have jobs or lives outside of work. You know, they work and then they go home and they spend time with their family and they get that balance right. But the folks that we have, both while they're in that day to day, but also outside of it, they go above and beyond. And there's certainly something nice about the culture within Further. We're very clear on the mission that we're delivering for startups and entrepreneurs. And for a small organization, we punch well above our weight. 
starting and looking at the team that we have helping us build this year's one, we're spoiled for choice. From a combination of having done it before, some of the team have done it before, but also from the fact that everyone is willing to get stuck in and to get this across the line. This for us is a big signal brand event uh, that, that kind of we do annually each year. It takes a lot to get it across the line. How do we pick them? Because they volunteer mostly. They come and say, look, I've done it before and I'm happy to get involved and here's my expertise and here's what I'll bring to the party. So, you know, I do a lot of the content work. There's a marketing team that are superb that are running the database and are, are building that out. There's a logistics team who are superb, who are kitting out a, a four-floor convention center. There's the back office team who will come to the fore as we move into the actual execution of the event. And I guess we're no different than any other startup where you think about what resources do I have internally? Do I need some short-term external resources just for the spike that I'm about to hit and where might I find them? And then you try to kind of say, these are the roles that have to be filled. You know what? You're fully empowered to go off and do what you do. I'll do what I do and we'll keep it moving together. And again, like in any other startup, you have, you have folks who want to be involved. So I guess, I guess they self-select. They come in and they join and they say, I want to be part of this. This is really cool. And actually the day itself is just wonderful. I mean, the atmosphere is fantastic. We've great fun. I will confess to going for a beer at the end of it. Uh, we do do that, and uh, but it is a great, it is a great event, uh, and for lots of us who are lucky to work on it, there's an enormous sense of pride uh, when the curtain comes down at six in the evening. Okay, this will be interesting, giving you know the, that further is a festival. But I'm curious how you think about this in your mind. How do you approach scalability? You know, how do you how do you approach scalability with something like this? And you know, is it something that you start scalable or you fight this as you grow and gain traction? You know, the first time we did it, we had a couple of hundred people who were working with us in Silicon Stroll. We're now pushing up on 2,000 attendees. We've reached a certain level in this uh, product. I guess our question to ourselves is, do we want to continue to build and do, do we want it to be a four or 5,000 person event? And I don't think we do because I think then it loses some of that informality that I talked about and some of the atmosphere that we can generate on the day. The scalability of it comes from probably not the size of the attendees, but the depth of the engagement. And by that, I mean, we're looking to bring together people who are genuinely concerned and interested in driving entrepreneurship. And I would have thought that success for us is not getting 10,000 people into the room because then it just becomes another event in the calendar. I think success for us looks like, and scalability looks like the depth that we can go to into the future. So can we make that experience both before and indeed after? What's the follow-up? I mean, typically you go to a one-day conference and you might get a follow-up mail, but that's about it. I wonder, is there a way that we can deepen the engagement level from those who are there? They come on the day, they're very committed to the engagement. And how then do we capture that, bottle it and keep it going for the next kind of six, nine months? And are there ways that we can work more closely with folks uh, to build our collaboration? So as an example, you might have a, I don't know, a government agency or you might have an academic institution who'll come on the day. It would be lovely if we could capture that attendance, which we'll do, but then could we build a further collaboration model with them in the days and weeks and months ahead? So for me, scale becomes around capturing the attendees on the day uh, and then building deeper relationships with them into the future as opposed to saying well next year I'll do 5,000 people so it's a different way of looking at scale and it probably talks more to collaboration rather than trying to just get to a pure numbers game.
So, Connor, as you step out on the balcony, you look across all that you've built. What are you most proud of? Well, I won't take all the credit for it, Noah. I'm just standing on the shoulders of those who went before me. So I'm lucky enough to be uh, the front uh, person and front of house for it, but there's a huge amount going on. I think for any organization such as ours, that's a small organization that can deliver and hopefully all going well will deliver a tremendous event on the day. I think for anyone involved, not just me, but the wider organization can look at that and say a small little organization building such a flagship event. I think everyone can be enormously proud of that. Let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. As I think about kind of some of the ways that we've gone about kind of getting the content in and I think about some of the ways I wonder you just wonder to yourself and everyone has this kind of buyer's remorse as you come to the event have I put enough in at the start have I reached out and built the right contacts have I got the right level of content is the performance going to be slick enough so I won't say it's a mistake although maybe in hindsight we'll look back and say it was but I I wonder as I think and one reflects on the planning around any product launch or any startup or any scale up as you're coming close to the kind of the big moment you know that 3am where you sit bolt right upright in the bed and you think have I done enough have I missed it what have I dropped have I dropped I don't think we've dropped anything I think we've been in some areas me not anyone else me have been slower in terms of pulling the performers and the content and the shape and the staging and all of that so I guess as I reflect on where we've been since since May on this particular product launch to use the phrase I probably have been a bit slow in kind of mapping out the roadmap in getting uh, the people in so recoverable as an as in all things in life and nothing fatal there but I wonder could we have been more slick on the acquisition could we have been more slick on the content and theme development so I guess time will tell I think we're in really good shape and I'm probably lucky that there's others around me who do it uh, and support uh, and push me so but ask me again in about three weeks time Noah and I'll tell you uh, the answer to that one. What does the future look like for the Further Festival and for your team? We probably in the early days had a really heavy focus on the the FDIs and the multinationals. We now have a greater focus on scaling overseas. If I look at the world around us, you know, the big thematic areas of health and digital transformation and sustainability weren't uh, to the fore five, six, seven years ago. People weren't talking the way they, they are now around sustainability. So as I look at this year's agenda and speakers, and I kind of in my mind reflect back over the last couple of years, it seems to me that the roster, the type of people, the content and thematic areas have all dramatically shifted. If you reflect then on the next 10 years, it seems to me that we're going through a technological advancement process that is faster than has happened in the last 20 years. And we kind of think the last 20 years was fast. But when some of the technologies that are coming down the track, it seems to me that the evolution of the product will change again and again. And we, we've we used the same format, I guess, over the last couple of years. Uh, it's probably time, as in any product, as in any company, you have something that works and you're loath to change it for fear of breaking it and nobody wants to break the status quo but sometimes you have to and you have to think about your product and you have to think about your audience and your content and doing the same stuff all the time ain't going to work i think when we get by what we're doing and in november as we do our debrief and think about next year i think it's probably time to consider are there other things that could be done to make sure that this product stays fresh and relevant and no different to any scale up around the globe you know as you get to the end of a quarter or you get to the end of a year and you consider 
what worked for us this year will it work again next year and are we brave enough to stop doing some things and start doing some new things knowing that there is that transition period from old to new so I guess that the product needs to continually as every product needs to evolve stay fresh you need to kind of understand does your audience still want to buy it from you uh, and we'll be no different we'll be going through that process as we get to November so we talked about you know a mistake earlier but this is a little bit different spin if you could go back to the beginning what would you do different or where would you consider taking a different approach I would think in relation to this particular product I'd have got stuck in earlier and I'll tell you what I mean by that normally we run this festival in April or May and there's a concentrated burst of activity from January you come back after Christmas you're fresh you get stuck in and you do three or four months and you land the product and away you go we came back after lockdown in many respects and we're still finding our way for most of us into that kind of endemic world and we were planning this festival in uh, the June, July, August period. And certainly from a European perspective, less so in, in the US, but the European perspective, the summer season people vanish. In many respects, we've had to squash three months of development into the last four to five weeks. And it's only it was only then there was no point in chasing people in August because nobody was around. So I guess we will fix that for next year because we've put it back into the schedule for May of next year. And it seems to me that an accelerated burst from kind of your January through to May delivers uh, what you want. So I don't think we could have changed that. It was the nature of a post-pandemic world coming in after lockdown, no availability of venues uh, and all of that. So we were kind of stuck. But I guess the big learning is that trying to trying to get a festival up and running in the July-August period in a, in a European context can be challenging. May seems to work for us. We can marshal the troops in behind us in a very clear way uh, to get the result that we want. Well, Connor, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit and, and probably an invite to further? Just the invite to further. That's all we need to do. <laughs> I would guess that my advice is around enjoy it. You know, sometimes when we're in the thick of doing something that's really good and we're in the moment, we forget to kind of put our head up and just say, pat ourselves on the back and say, well done, and pat the others around us and say, well done, what we're doing. And I've done a couple of launches along the way and a couple of scale-ups along the way and some of those. And, you know, as I reflect back on them, and you think to yourself, I was so deep, head down in the weeds. I actually didn't come up and get a chance to sip, sip, what's the phrase, smell the coffee. I didn't have a chance to come up for air. And my advice to anyone who's on that journey, who's in the thick of it, enjoy the ride. It's not about the, it's not about the destination in many respects. It's about the ride and enjoying that and making sure that you bring your folks with you. You know, if I reflect back on people who I worked with over the years, we, we probably drove each other hard and we might have dropped a few along the way. And, you know, you kind of think to yourself, this is such a fun time to be in. You're building something really special. Enjoy every moment of it would be my advice. 100% agree with that. That's fantastic advice. Well, Connor, thank you for being on the show today. and Thank you for telling the creation story of Further. Thank you so much, Noah. It was wonderful to be on. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to chatting to you again soon. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. 
Decode Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.